0: and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started.
1: My name is Adam Homey. I am your host. I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show follows me on my laptop lifestyle, and we take you To those places where you find yourself sitting in on those mastermind conversations. You overhear the conversations from the next table. There are ambient noises in the background, birds chirping, air conditioners running, vehicles driving by in the distance, laughter from a distance within the cafe you're sitting in. This is where things happen that move the needle for you and bring you that much closer to your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So once again, we come to you from my high-tech studio on my sumptuous balcony here in Las Vegas, Nevada, known to some, at least me, as the hottest city in America. And we're going to discuss drawing today. So let me get a little bit deeper than that. Have you ever seen those sketches that depict a timeline? It may be on a 20 by 20 canvas. It has a combination of human beings as caricatures drawings to represent ideas and concepts, and it just follows a path. In some cases, they literally are drawn as if they're following a path. You may know what I'm talking about. Well, we're going to delve into that and other topics related to thinking visually and amplifying the impact of your ideas. And to share with us today, we have Wendy Wendy Pillars, who is the creator of Sketch More, Think More. Let me just tell you a little bit about her. As a curiositarian and lifeaholic, I love the words, Wendy Pillars thrives on thinking creatively and communicating visually to get to the heart of any message. A consummate explorer of ideas, cultures, and people, she enjoys ideas that add a cognitive push and being able to share that with others. She is an award-winning lifelong educator with experiences teaching, learning, and living across the globe, as well as a love for languages, writing, and our planet. She can always be found somewhere, immersed in some sort of project or creative endeavor, ideally one that empowers others to create and think differently or serves a community need. From a magician's assistant to air defense artillery officer to firefighter, her incredibly diverse background ensures she has quite a story to tell. Whoa. Okay, Wendy Pillars, come on in. The weather's fine.
2: Hey, Adam.
1: Nice to be here. Okay, I just read off your official bio. And aside from the fact that I'm not sure I'm worthy to be in your presence, and this is my show. Wow, oh, what a journey.
2: Oh my gosh, right. And I promise I'm not in the witness protection program. Promise, promise. Oh,
1: but if oh, but if you but if you did, but if you did, I would hope you wouldn't tell us. Anyway, right. uh this is a little your bio itself was a bit of a storytelling journey. But t- what we like to do here at the Business Creators Radio Show, before we dive in, I know there are four or five key areas you shared with us in the green room. We want to try and make sure we get through as much as possible today. We ask all of our guests to share with us a bit, whether it's a specific event, whether it's a series of events, whether it's an epiphany, but tell us something about your journey that's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion.
2: One thing, um, I think there's obviously quite a few turning points, but there are two that stick out in my mind. Um, One is has to do with the military and whenever you do have some type of operation you have this after action report review or you definitely have like a pre-operation meeting and briefing to make sure everybody knows what they're doing and we would do that out in the field and we would just pull sticks and twigs and leaves and little whatever we could find But we would make sure that everybody knew, here's where you are going to be, here's where you are, here's your role, and here's where you're going to go. And we would make it crystal clear just by using those random visual pieces of, like I said, sticks, tweaks, whatever. Um, So that was something that I didn't pay attention to at the time. I was like, I knew this helped. I knew it clarified. But then later when I was teaching, I have always worked with language learners so students who are learning to speak English and um, a lot of times you have mixed languages in your classroom you could have 12 or 13 languages represented in your classroom and when you come across a word or a concept you can't explain it in words to that many different students and languages so it was in the time before the internet Um, (laughs) just to (laughs) like give us context. So I would just quickly create a sketch and say this is what this is and they would nod and give a thumbs up and we could move forward. So it was an expedient way to teach and get through material a lot more efficiently. So those are my two turning points.
1: Wow, that's actually very interesting. Uh and you know I when I was but a youngster, I had collections of those little green army men. I, With my dad, we built a fort using plywood and decoration materials that are typically used in locomotive sets Uh to set up an entire fort (laughs) with operations. Uh, I identified officers by different colored rubber bands and ran scenarios with these different... Organizational chart features within my little fort. It also had running water and electricity that ran off one of those big square, chunky flashlight batteries like we used to have back in the nineteen
2: eighties. Oh my god, that sounds so cool!
1: It was, it was until uh, until my parents' cats came in oh. and uh, <laughs> decided and decided to attack. And after about and after about uh, three vicious approaches from the valiant baby kitty i kind of mm. gave up oh no <laughs> that was it that was actually what they, na- that's actually what they named the cat uh anyway baby uh, kitty. yeah
2: anyway she was trying to play godzilla maybe i don't know
1: Now well, to them she probably was godzilla purring
2: <laughs> right <laughs> maybe she was throwing flames you weren't watching
1: right so i meet Im- so i immediately thought of that. And I wasn't exactly yes. drawing figures in a sandbox or doing sketches of, of you know, true positioning or, or assignment positioning or anything on the ground using twigs and dirt, but it wasn't that far removed.
2: No. And when all. I think
1: about this sketching, it kind of takes me back there in an interesting way. So we've heard since time <laughs> immemorial that a picture is worth a thousand words. But I got to ask, as a curiositarian, curiositarian, I love that word, by the way, why do do so many of us insist on just a thousand words, a thousand words alone?
2: That's a fantastic question because as inundated as we are and as much as we rely on visuals today, especially like 2022, your icons on your phone, your symbols and different countries, if you don't speak the language, you rely on symbols, icons, um, billboards rely on visuals for quick thinking and, and really fast processing. You know, there's so many different ways that we use visuals all the time and we know how valuable they are, but then when it comes to a presentation, it's like, oh my God, no, not another PowerPoint novel. Uh (laughs) So yeah, I think that, um, I don't know if it's a comfort zone for people like there's so, well, here's my experience is that people are initially hesitant to take away all those words. Let's say in a presentation, you know, working with a business organization or even students, like you do not need all those words. Like I want, if I did have a 30 minute, 40 minute presentation, for myself, I might have 80, 85 slides on there, but they are all visuals and I can just scroll through them and say, okay, here's an example. This is what this is, you know, and people will get it. And I'm talking as I go, the visual support supplement and compliment. Whereas I think that um, this reluctance from organizations or students is, but I want to show you everything I know. And it's like, no, you don't. That's not how it works because you're you're losing engagement, right? People aren't going to read all those words on the screen, but if you show an enticing visual or an engaging visual or get people to do it themselves, engage them during the process. So they have to put their phones down and they have to close their computers and they can't multitask. It's like, all right, I'm grounding you, bringing you into the room. So I think it's just letting go of the fact that if I use a lot of words and I do all the speaking, then I'm showing you how much I know.
1: That's an interesting way of looking at this. I, I, I got to acknowledge that I never really thought of some of this that way before. With my PowerPoints, I kind of do a, 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 me, a mix of those two things. Lately, I've been tending more toward the visual. So every so often, I will have slides and I will even advise occasionally I'll read them word for word simply because they. I also expect the user to take notes on this or mm-hmm. to literally take a photograph of it. And this is something else that comes to mind. I am seeing more and more with in-person presentations, like you go to seminars, you see a stage speaker, they'll have mm-hmm. their PowerPoint with them, they'll be displaying their slide. And they will encourage people to take photographs of their slides rather than take notes. Hmm. Because we all have smartphones. We probably have not really put them away regardless. So if you want all that stuff, just hold your camera up. Now you have it. You don't have to take time to write it down. If you want to write it down for the memory reinforcement value of it, you can take your own notes separately later on. But now you got it. That's what the the presenter wanted to share. Those are the three key points. That was the aha moment. That was the blueprint. Now you have it. Snap. Literally done. So you can Mm. bring yourself back into the story that the presenter is taking you through.
2: Right. And I wonder how many people actually go back and look at those. (laughs)
1: Uh, About once once a year when I clean out my directories on my smartphone and I see all these photographs I took at events par is if I remember which event it was. Right. Yeah. But out of but out of those, thing. but out of those four to four to forty-five or fifty photos, there will be a couple where I'll say, oh my goodness, I wondered where that was. Right. And do you share them out on social media? I wonder. Uh rarely. I usually make, I, I, I usually make my own visuals. within my in-demand expert mastermind in my <laughs> presentations, I literally create different acronyms, different alliterative formulas, and I design graphics for them. We have the spring formula. We have the reach system. We have the star formula. We have the FIPSO formula that has to do with meeting management. There are probably, oh, there's the three P's of website conversions. I can go on and on and on and on and on. I make individual slides that explain those concepts and what those acronyms or those alliterations stand for, those are the things that I want people to screenshot. Those are the things I want people to capture. And those are the things that I will share on social media because they create frameworks and outlines. And when we see, in my view, and I want to get your thoughts on this, actually, when we see something that is a word that has dots between each letter, in other words, it's been transformed into an acronym, Mm -hmm. we think, for example, what is the spring formula. If you dig one step deeper, you find out that I'm the author of a book called Groundhog Day is an Event, not a business strategy. And throughout the United States, there are various groundhogs who come out of burrows and tell us whether or not it's going to be spring early or whether we're going to have six more weeks of winter. The idea is that the groundhog digs hundreds of pounds of rich soil When they create their burrows and by surfacing that and spreading it around, they cause the greener grass to grow on your side of the fence. And at the same time, the presence of that burrow underscores and reveals opportunities for strengthening your foundation. The groundhog is one of your greatest business mentors when you understand their behaviors and lifestyle. Uh
2: Good analogy. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, you're you're talking about um, how you make it more visible. That right there, just as you were talking, I can imagine all of those little things happening. Like you were telling a story rather than just any type of narrative that was not picturesque. So that in a sense already gets me thinking in my mind. It gets me curious. So when you were talking about the words with the dots in between the letters and the acronyms, I think that's a fantastic approach because letters are pictures too, and yep. you're engaging people and like you're you're piquing their curiosity. It's like, hmm, I know that word, but what does it mean? Like that. And
1: yeah, well, let's look at some of the rest of them. The podcast reach R E A C H system. You gain more reach through hosting a podcast. Your key networking, client attraction, celebrity expert, branding tool. Reach R E H C H stands for. Then you have the star formula for podcast guesting. S T A R. You become a guest when you're a podcast star, and the S, the T, the A, and the R refer to four different components of becoming a, a, a star as a podcast guest. Then you have uh, the FIPSO formula, which actually does not stand for a word, but it sounds really, really neat, and it has to do, and it has to do with the four different types of people who attend meetings in business settings and how to determine who speaks what they say and which ones are best left alone hmm. there's, a whole, there's a whole there's a whole there's a whole topic on that actually it's something it's something that I present sometimes in uh, in more corporate settings and then yep. and then here's something for you uh, you know I noticed you have a website at www.sketchmorethinkmore.com which I've had a chance to check out um, do you get traffic to that website
2: um some why because people are looking for a service, yeah.
1: Why? Why, why? why would you want traffic to your website? That's like, that's like the dumbest thing in the world. I mean, if you have it, get rid of it. You neither need it nor <laughs> want it.
2: <laughs> well,
1: you want traffic so that you can grow no, you your business. No, you don't. No, you don't. Why? What, what is traffic?
2: Oh, traffic is in drive-by, not stopping.
1: What is website? Stop. People can't even define traffic and website, yet they want traffic to their websites. If you if you don't have it, get rid of it. You don't need it. You don't want it. What you now? I, I get up on stages, I say that, and people look at me like I have three heads and just declared that the world is flat. Create a Tell pattern interrupt.
2: Tell me like, more.
1: Like what the yeah, heck is like going? This. Like what the heck is going on here? And, and and lately, in some of my recent presentations, I have. Done a call-in exchange with people in the audience. What is traffic and what is website? And I've yet to have anybody accurately identify either of those terms in a way that's even applicable to online marketing. Unbelievable. So get rid of traffic to your website. If you have it, just throw it away. Instead, what you want to attract are visitors to your web pages who align with the three Ts of website conversions: pre-qualified, prepped. And pumped. So, what have I done there? I've taken a concept. Everybody says traffic to your website, traffic to your website. I thought that when I moved into focusing on podcast development as my key business, that I'd finally get away from traffic to your website. But damn it, it's followed me here too. Wow.
2: Yeah. You're, you make <sighs> a lot of sense with that.
1: And what we've done by creating a story is rather than be, the 985th person you've heard about talking about traffic to your website. I'm saying get rid of that. You don't want it. You don't need it. Yeah. What's that? What's traffic to your website? And I've redefined a term with enhancements based on my own experience, my own results, and what I've seen work in the industry, and made myself instantly number one in the new segment.
2: That makes sense. You have You've made a simple statement that is shaking a lot of people to their core. I I, I believe
1: that. And and what and what drives all that story? Yes. Take people want a story. So speaking of uh, figures, I can't draw a roller with a straight line. I can't even get that analogy or metaphor right. I don't even know whether it's an analogy or a metaphor. It could be both. Uh, but you mentioned that you mentioned this is a phrase you shared with me. Use stick figures for a cognitive push to make your brain hurt, no matter who you are. Yes. So what's up with stick figures and hurting brains? What's
2: up with that? Yeah, um, there's a really common misconception like, hey, I can't do that. I can't draw. But if you can draw a stick figure, then you can absolutely make a story. With your little outline, it does not have to, this is where I want people to to stop and just take a breath and say, okay, when I go online and I look up visual notes or sketch notes or the RSA animate videos, whatever it might be, you can get so overwhelmed by looking at the magnificence of some of those notes. And you're like, oh my God, there's no way I could do that. But my suggestion is to start if you can draw a stick figure and you can say, all right, well, what's one activity I'm going to do today and look at how your body is, you know, what kind of, where does it bend? Where does your arm bend? Where does your leg bend? How are you sitting? And draw a box for a computer or draw a couple of rectangles and some two circles for a car and draw yourself doing one thing. And I think when people just give themselves permission to play, that's really rare. Like, that's what I see adults, especially, and older students more and more. They are so afraid of making a mistake. And so if you are drawing a stick figure only, you don't have to do anything fancy, and then you tell a story and you make connections, then... My students tell me, miss, this makes my brain hurt. And when I know, I know when they say that, that they have been thinking, like, just how do I represent this? What words are the most important? What do I prioritize for my information? What is it? What, you know, like in business organizations, it's what is my actual goal? Like if I said, all right, show me what traffic is, Um, you know, represent traffic with a, a quick sketch, traffic to your website. Now, take that and say, all right, how would you attract visitors to web pages? You know, what would that look like? How would it be different? What are your priorities? So,
1: um, yeah, it's
2: a matter of actually doing it in order to feel that
1: cognitive push. In the PowerPoint that accompanies the story I shared with you, the representation of traffic to your website are cars attempting to enter a freeway that's backed up at rush hour. <laughs> they, 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 they don't eat, they don't sense. know if they don't know if they belong there they're not even sure they want to be there they're all trying to go to the same place and it's getting clogged up so right. many people are coming to it that it's risking bandwidth issues shut down whereas visitors to your web pages we represent that with a with a photograph of a happy dog with a little dog smile standing in front of a welcome mat Aww. see i think
2: of like uh when i think about it um, I think of kind of like a not Disneyland or Disney world, but like an amusement park where you have different um, it makes me think of, hey, come on in and let's figure out where you need to go here and what can give you the most value for the, for your day or for your time. So yeah, it gives me an instant mental image that's very different from traffic to your website.
1: Let's see that goes back to, what I've been saying for years, I ask people, do you want the truth? There's no such thing as the truth. There are facts, which we can <laughs> prove empirically, scientifically, and otherwise. Right. However, truth, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. And if you want to debate that one, I have two things for you to think about. If there was such thing as the truth, why do we have, why do we have criminal trials? I mean, we, we, we should just know. They, did they do it or did they not do it? It shouldn't be a matter of debate because there would be truth, the truth. We would just know. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. And think about the role of a criminal defense attorney or, and also the prosecuting mm-hmm. attorney, uh, whether it's the district attorney or the plaintiff attorney, what have you. Their role is not to prove the absolute truth or validity of. Their client's point of view, whether the client is the defendant, where the client is the plaintiff, where the client is the government acting as plaintiff. Their role is to demonstrate the likelihood of their opinion being valid beyond reasonable doubt. That's why it's guilty, not guilty, not guilty, innocent. Right. Furthermore, so you- lie detectors, polygraph machines. Do not fact check. They analyze physiological reactions for signs of prevarication. Prevarication means evidence mm-hmm, by change of, changes in your, your heart rate, your pulse rate, uh, other physiological factors that indicate you're making a conscious effort to develop a story rather than speaking naturally. And that set and that sets off a trigger of prevarication, which comes down to lying. Uh, back to that old thing, well, you know, if you just tell the truth, you don't have to think about it. Well, <laughs> even though there's no such thing as the truth, that statement more or less is valid in terms of our physiological behaviors that are actually beyond our control. If physiologically you're creating a story, that's going to reflect in things that polygraph machines analyze which is also why they're inadmissible because you can cause yourself consciously or not to have those reactions even when you're not making it up this is why three people can view the same automobile accident in the same intersection from three different angles all three of them can give mutually contradictory statements and all three of them pass a polygraph with flying colors
2: you are absolutely right you're absolutely right, and and, that, if,
1: and and if you want, and if you like that story, I have one about this bridge that spans the famous Las Vegas River that I'm happy to sell you for a dollar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> With lots of water in it, right now, right? We don't, we, we don't,
1: we don't have a Las Vegas River, but no. I, I mm-hmm. have had people ask me where the Las Vegas Bridge is over the Las oh, Vegas no, River. No, 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 no. You, you, you know, there's that, there's that, there's that, uh, there's that movie, uh, Con Air that starred Nicolas Cage that showed the plane crashing in Las Vegas. And supposedly, there's a tunnel that takes you from the Las Vegas Strip to Fremont Street. You go to this tunnel that goes under a mountain and this tunnel goes on for two miles. I'm trying to figure out exactly where that tunnel is because you get from the Strip to Fremont Street, you just go a few blocks further down on Las Vegas Boulevard. There is no tunnel.
2: No, I don't, I can't. (laughs) Yeah. But it's movies.
1: It's movies.
2: Uh-huh. It sells a ticket.
1: Yeah, as I was, as I was, as I've been taught by many uh, people who teach public speaking, never let the truth get in the way of a good story.
2: Right, and it's something that has stuck with you, right?
1: It yeah, your curiosity. So every time I, every time I see Conair, even think about the movie Con Air, I think, where is that tunnel that connects hmm. the Strip to Fremont Street? I'd love to know where this is. It seems like a cool place to drive. Well, maybe you could
2: um, start like a little tourist business saying that, hey, <laughs> we're going to hunt down the lost <laughs> tunnel.
1: <laughs> the Conair Tunnel. Yeah. Yes. Oh,
2: my God. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, what we're dealing with here now is I'm sensing energy, energetic vibes, energy management. So, you make a reference to energy management versus time management. When it comes to bringing a vision to life, now I have a feeling that I have a story about this that parallels and deals with entrepreneurial productivity. But I want to get what you mean by that statement.
2: All right, um, and lots of
1: I liked all your
2: connections with the physiology of creating a story before we move on. Like I, like that makes me really think about how when you talked about the lie detector test. Um, just how visceral stories can affect us when we're either creating them or listening to them. So I think that was, that was a really cool connection that I hadn't thought about before. Um, but yeah, the energy management versus time management, we always talk about manage your time, block, block off your time, schedule your time you know, calendar your time, whatever phrases are out there now, Uh but nobody ever, very few people talk about energy management. Like if you don't get enough sleep, you're not going to, it doesn't matter how well you schedule your time. You're not going to be able to bring your whole self to the game that next day. Or if you are, and it's really hard when you're on the road, but if you're not eating well, right. If you're not getting decent nutrition and nutrients in your body, Then, again, it doesn't matter how well you schedule your time. Like After a while, it's going to catch up with you. You might be able to handle it for a few days. But um, when I'm talking to people, they always talk about how busy they are. And I've scheduled this, and I put this on my calendar. And I'm like, well, what about taking care of client number zero first? And that's you. How are you taking care of yourself so you can show up?
1: Yeah, that's very, that's very important. I've gone through that myself. My first few years as an entrepreneur, that's, it's like, that's all I ever did was just, uh, I mean, I, it, it it got to the point where it got so frustrating. I really felt like that my business was all I had. And mm. the one of the several breaking points was when I smashed my printer into a thousand pieces, which I write about in my book. And that's because I had allowed three clients from hell to invade my space at the same time. There's a whole story behind that. I'll save that for another time. Uh, But there was also a case where due to uh, what candidly was the client's mess up, they thought it'd be really cool to leave a voicemail message for me on a Sunday morning telling me how me allegedly forgetting to do one very small, tiny little thing, completely destroyed an entire project, ruined the credibility of everybody involved, and massively shamed him. And you know what, all I did for the next six hours was just continually call his voicemail and scream into it. Oh, no. And then, oh, and, then and then, and then, when I plugged that voicemail, I went to his cell phone and loaded that up. And then, when oh. I loaded that up, <laughs> I went to his home number and jammed up their answering machine with that stuff. Oh, you weren't going to say that to me.
2: Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, on the other hand, he must have thought you had a lot of power. So I guess. Wow!
1: <laughs> well, well, that well, side of it. well. If me allegedly forgetting to click a link on something that was from information I'd never been provided somehow makes me powerful. Okay.
2: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. You had to go through that, but were your, well, were so, your calls and, well, effective?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he uh, did apologize for the whole thing, although he did not really understand what the big deal was. And I had to explain that one to him. And then yeah. I, you know what I put that under, I don't hold it against him. He's a friend of mine to this day. And this is, What it comes down to, and I and another friend of mine told me this is: no matter how much you think you know, you there's always something for you to learn. So whenever you commit a faux pas, or whenever you say something that inadvertently sets somebody over the edge, you think you're just letting off steam, but something you say actually goes to the core of their belief system and causes them to go over the edge on you. Mm -hmm. Then think about this is how this is what you can say. You can say, you know, up until now I thought I. I thought I knew everything about human intercommunication and relationship building. But that just goes to show that as human beings, we are in continuous states of learning and we always have new experiences to look forward to that will make us even more effective communicators, relators, and community builders as we go along.
2: I agree. And I think that you are talking about a probably minority percentage of the population. Uh I hope hope it's more towards the majority, but as far as um, just being ready to go and, and looking forward to and loving this concept of learning and the act of learning, there are a lot of people who I have seen, like, they hit a certain age and they just seem to be like, okay, I made it. I'm good. I don't need to learn anything new or it's too much too much work. So that makes me excited to hear your enthusiasm for the learning piece.
1: Yeah. And the way and the way I tell these stories, uh sometimes my stories don't always put me or the actor involved in the best light. Here's what I've discovered this is the power of podcasting, whether you're hosting or guesting. We are the voices of our audiences. I am your voice, you're my voice and vice versa. We say things that our listeners can only think about. Like I can come right out and say that uh – yeah, I got really irritated by my asshole idiot stupid clients from hell that I never should have let in, in the first place <laughs> and I got so pissed off over it. I took my damn printer and smashed into a thousand pieces. And 2 years later when I was moving out of that place to a nicer place, I was still finding the pieces that piece of garbage that had the nerve to run out of ink halfway through printing out a document when I didn't even have food in the house. Roar, yeah. 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 So so a lot of folks have at least felt those urges. Mm -hmm. And some folks have acted upon them, but they may not be in a place where they can express that out of concerns about how they may be perceived. So by me being the voice and me being able to say, yeah, I've been there. I've had those natural human reactions and thoughts, and these are the discoveries I made for them. I invite them to have those discoveries for themselves to learn the lessons that they may not be able to access simply because up until then they did not have viscerally thinking through me to even enable them to process what they were feeling or what they did.
2: Yep. Yeah, your that's your element of vulnerability for sure.
1: Yeah, and now and now and now, and now I see that in a drawing. I yeah. see being taken down a story path or a storyline. I envision myself sitting in a breakout session to the seminar and I see you drawing various key points where it starts in the upper left hand corner with a caricature of the speaker. And then we see pictures of buildings, pictures of cars, pictures of trees, pictures of oranges, which are my favorite fruit. And these all <laughs> represent different goalposts and signposts along the journey that the speaker is taking us. So later on, when I view that sketch, I'll be able to hear that presenter in my mind and see the waypoints in the map of the journey they took me down through your drawing.
2: That is a beautiful way to say it. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, and, go ahead.
2: Well, it, it kind of goes back to, um, well, first of all, there's the invitation piece. So, you were talking about, in essence, your vulnerability and just being that human that other presenters don't necessarily, you know, break that shell of themselves to invite other people in. So I love that you do that because yes, it is an absolute, like, phew. Okay. He's, he sees me. Um, But the same with drawing or visuals, you know, the, the worst that I draw, for example, in my classroom, I'm like, all right, this is, this is what this means. Or, you know, you could draw a rectangle and put a label on it and tell kids this is the, uh, you know, Eiffel Tower. And they'll say, okay. <laughs> but the, you know, if you are not a great drawer, which doesn't matter, then people will be like, oh, I what is that? You know, we'll have fun in class, for example. And they'll say, miss, that is, what is that? And I say, you know, that's an elephant. And they're like, oh, I can do one better than that. And they come right up. And they'll take the marker out of my hand and they'll draw their own. And, you know, maybe it looks great. Maybe it looks silly. It doesn't matter. But the fact is, like, people will say, okay, I can do that, that much. And then from there, once again, once they get started, then they can get going. Um, and the waypoints in the journey, I absolutely love that. And it also goes back to what you were talking about with facts, you know, if you have three different people who are all taking notes at the same time, could be the, the graphic recording piece even, um, you're going to have three different reputa- representations of that same information. Three different interpretations.
1: Is like, that okay. you ever, If you ever tested that where you and other sketch artists simultaneously drew the same thing and then without looking at each other's work while you didn't and compared afterwards and had this... Holy heck reaction. Where did you get that?
2: (laughs) I haven't done it formally, like in a conference setting, but we have, sometimes we'll have visual jams online and we will just throw out kind of current event topics to see, all right, how would you draw this? Or how would you draw that? And then we'll, you know, heads down Uh while we're on Zoom. And then we all just show our our drawings. And it's a lot of fun because, yeah, you get different people from different countries who think of something different or a different style or even colors can add meaning to the, the sketches, but students see it all the time. You know, if I I say you guys all had the exact same information and now look at your sketches, what do you notice? What is different? What is the same? What would you change now that you've seen his or hers? What, you know, like what feedback would you give? And it, opens up students' eyes to thinking, oh my gosh, like we all heard or read or saw the exact same thing. And this is how we all interpret it. How does that apply to life in general? Right. So when we talk about assumptions, you know, if, if I tell you this, and this is what you have in your mind, it's, it's like the airplane, right? If you are one degree off and you travel 3,000 miles, then you're going to be at a whole brand new location than your original, you know, without the one degree variation. So just even the simplest of concepts, people assume, oh, yeah, you know, I gave those instructions. And when you leave this meeting, you'll know exactly what to do because I said it so well. And I said it twice. So there's no reason why you shouldn't know what to do, <laughs> but if you have people write it down or you have them sketch out, all right, you're going to go from here to here to here by Tuesday. Boom, people will get it.
1: So, uh huh. Um, I find yeah, you know, I found that as well, and that's actually part of why when I do PowerPoint presentations, I do occasionally take the contrarian view of putting bullet points with words and reading those word for word. And I don't make the whole presentation that I do it very strategically. Like if there's something I really want them to get very Mm -hmm. specifically, if there's something I want them to be able to reference later as a checklist, if there's something where I want them to have more than double the normal amount of analytical comprehension of something I'm saying right now, allowing them to hear it, and see it at the same time creates that more than doubling effect as far as comprehension. So you're not going to see one of my presentations and just see bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Oh, look, he made the animations go wee this time. (laughs) No, no, nothing like that. When we get to the bullet point parts, I even sometimes disclose, I'm putting this word for word on purpose because I want you to screenshot it and use it as a reference. And I want you to both see the words and hear me saying the words so as to more than double your osmotic comprehension of what's being presented to you now. <laughs> and who knows if osmotic is really a word, I guess. Osmotic it it's
2: comprehension, word. I love it. That's how yeah, we used well, to study, right? Put your pillow yeah, under well, your pillow. <laughs> oh yeah, certainly.
1: Um, I know I know people who study, who study certain practices having to do with self-improvement, copywriting by simply. Constantly streaming audio recordings of training programs and educational programs so that they're just playing in the background non stop while they're going about their daily life.
2: I have heard of that, I have not tried it. I know there are some that you're specifically supposed to play when you go to sleep, but I haven't played that either. I haven't tried it. Yeah,
1: have you? Uh, it depends. <laughs> but anyway, we have one more point. We're getting near the top of the hour. And I have one more right. point that I really want to cover here. Ashley, that you want to cover is uh, visual thinking and strategizing. We've been talking a lot about drawing pictures and seeing images that appear in our mind. Uh, but it's not just about that. It's not just about drawing pictures. So can you take us a little bit further on that?
2: Uh, yes, I think... Um, well, actually, just from my experience, as I've seen, there is a lot of thinking that goes into all of the organization and the content and the representation. Right. So um, when people talk about not being able to draw, um, one of the key points in visual thinking or sketch noting is the ability to listen well. And it's an ability to listen without bias. Although it depends on, you know, if, if you're taking notes for yourself, that's one thing. You can add opinions and comments, no, no problem. But like if you are creating a visual for someone else for a true representation, you have to listen with the intent to honor the content that they are putting out. And you may or may not disagree, With them. Um, There are some times that I have worked with really touchy subjects, really sensitive subjects. And there it's all I can do to not put my opinion on there or, you know, some kind of radical color or some type of emphasis on there because it's not mine to emphasize. Right. So my goal is to listen to the speaker's voice understand the context, listen to the audience and their reactions. So yeah. I know that, and and so there's so much that goes into play as someone who is doing this professionally, but also with students. So like, we'll take, you know, when I'm starting them off and teaching them how to do this, we listen first. So maybe it's a short video clip where there's, you know, an actual video, they'll listen to it first. Take down as much as they can. You know, I say, just write down words. What do you hear? 10 words. And then we listen to it again, and I ask them to add details. We talk about what words they have, what's the same, what's different among students. Again, it emphasizes and highlights how differently we can interpret this same information. And yeah. then the third time, we'll listen to, you know, like a two, three minute video. And the third time we'll actually watch the video and they see the speaker and then I'll ask them, well, how did your, how did your words change? How did your interpretation change now that you've seen the speaker, his or her body language, any visuals that they use, how can you incorporate those into your sketch? So it is a scaffolded process to teach it but um, it is also teaching them to listen differently and think about their biases with other people and content too.
1: Yeah. I, and and again, uh, you think about how we all view these things differently and Mm -hmm. I love how you take it beyond and in a way kind of bring together all the points we made over the course of our conversation here, that it's more about just coming up with the, The picture. Now, now, something that struck me before is you said the phrase, well, now I'm going to paraphrase you because you didn't say it exactly like this. Um, I already explained it to you once. What didn't you understand? (laughs) Right. Uh, I I, I, I hope it was a little
2: softer than that. Well,
1: you said it a lot softer, but we as human beings go through Mm -hmm. life getting that and the impression that I have always had of everybody who's ever said that to me was some self, self-important authority figure that just wanted to show off how allegedly powerful they are. Yes. Like, yeah. oh my, oh my God, you weren't hanging on my every word and you didn't instantly comprehend me. What's <laughs> wrong with you? What's wrong with you? These are these these these, these, these yeah. are the, these are the same folks that if you don't give them exactly the answers that they want to hear. Mm -hmm. They'll keep saying, but you haven't answered the question. When will you answer the question? (laughs) I know. And it just makes it worse. It's it's, like,
2: here's my shovel. Let me just dig myself.
1: Oh, now let's flip that around. That's very frustrating to hear on the one side of it. And some of the personality traits and some of the programming that falls into people who exhibit those behaviors, Mm -hmm. among them is conditional love. What I mean by that is they were raised or socialized in environments where in situations where they themselves were imperfect actual love was withheld from them like uh like their parents saying to them oh you didn't get straight A's well you're mm-hmm. like your mom like mom would say oh you didn't get straight A's dad tell your kid that they mm-hmm. need to learn how to study that sort yeah. of thing So that's what I mean by conditional love. And then when they do something that is viewed as perfect, then they get love-bombed. This leads them to hold themselves to really very high and possibly high standards. Mm -hmm. And it gets to the point where it seems normal or normative for others to do the exact same thing. So when they explain something once, they may actually feel the cringe of... That one time when their parent, guardian, some elder, some adult, they said something to them and they said, what was that? And they got smacked for asking because they should have listened the first time. I know. But now they're taking out (laughs) on somebody else. Uh, So this, I bring this to because I want us to have empathy and not condemn folks who engage in those behaviors because it's programmed into them. It comes from somewhere. People are not inherently evil. That's been demonstrated time and time again. So what if we were to equip folks who can't understand why it is that people just never listen and people need to pull the gunk out of their ears and, and, and goddamn focus because I'm yes. tired to explaining this yes. over and over and over yes. and over again when you didn't even explain it right the first time. Right. And, and that's, what, and that's what if, the humility and what, piece. And what if they understood that there are different types of learners and there mm-hmm. is the ability to educate and explain through analogy, metaphor, storytelling and illustration like drawing. Yes. I I I mean I myself get things when they're drawn for me sometimes more than when I have them verbally conveyed.
2: Yeah, especially um when you have multi-step instructions or you have a complex idea and you're just trying to understand the basics of it um there's always this, there's a conflict in education too, between all right, you have students who understand single step or two-step instructions, but you want to get them, build them up to understanding multi-step oral instructions. Right. And you that's know, challenging. That, that's really hard. And you know, you go to a conference or even if you're on Zoom with a a, a group of people, like just having a visual that says, um, break for 10 minutes and we'll meet back at 6.05 PM, you know, and have that there Uh on zoom. So people, because, you know, we multitask so much and there's so much input that we don't have time to digest it. So when you say, all right, break for 10 minutes, you're, you're out to the bathroom, grabbing something to eat. And you're like, shoot, what time do we leave? What time do, what time do we have to come back? And you can see that simple little Uh visual,
1: That says, "All right, meet back." Or this is how this is how conferences and seminars go off the rails because they say we're going to take a five minute break, but they don't define what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, five minutes means to me, well, what this five minutes, the next five minutes, five minutes from now? Am I just gonna? Am I just gonna ghost on this whole thing and go home in five minutes? What is it? What is five minutes? But if you tell me, if you tell me, but if you tell me it's two fifty seven. And we're going to be back here in five minutes. All right, you know, you know what, let's make that eight minutes, 3.05, just because we like, we like basic time alignments. So 3.05, Thanks. well, you can calculate against 3.05 because you can look at a watch, you can look at your phone, you can look at a clock on the wall and see the current time as compared to 3.05. But after about a minute or two, if you're looking at the time on your clock, you're going to be thinking, well, when did that five minutes begin? I can't remember. Right.
2: I had to go to the bathroom so bad, or I was so hungry, or I had to make that phone call. Or...
1: Well, it, 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 yeah. it, it's even beyond that. There, mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm baking things in my oven, I very rarely forget to set the timer once I preheated. But if I ever forget to set the timer once I preheat and I notice a few minutes in, whatever's in the oven, I just throw it away. Oh, no. Because, because the, re- the reason is I already know I can't remember how long it's been right. since I put it in. So I can't create a frame of reference for how far into this 20 minutes we are however if I set the timer I know exactly how far we are mm-hmm. that's a good connection
2: yeah using the oven is is a perfect way to describe and, that
1: yeah when it, and when it comes to baking if you're a minute off that can make a big difference
2: yeah yeah you're right so yeah this like the simplest of visuals can really help define clarity and keep that organization together and management absolutely
1: together. absolutely so um we're actually at the top of the hour here. This has been so much fun. I love, I love art. Even though I can't draw a roller with a straight line, I can't get that <laughs> analogy right, and I don't even know if that analogy is a meta, is an it analogy is or if it's a metaphor. It is not. But, uh, but uh, I do want to invite all of our listeners. Uh, you can see some actual examples of how this type of drawing storytelling works. It's right on the page of the Sketchmore. Think More website, which is at www.sketchmorethinkmore.com. That's where you can discover more about Wendy Pillars. You can see some of her portfolios, uh, pieces. You can see uh, her work with book illustrations. Uh, You can see some actually some infographics that are in handwritten artistic form. This is really cool stuff. You should really check this out. And you can see also examples of that keynote speech storyboarding that we were describing in so much detail here before. You can find out how you can work with Wendy, and you can discover even more about the whole art and science behind this type of work. So again, let me say the website, it's www.sketchmorethinkmore.com. And as we wrap up, rather than visiting your webpage, is there anything that you would urge our listeners to, to do or to consider right now as an immediate potential step forward as soon as they finish listening to this stream now?
2: I challenge you to represent what you learned in one sketch. Get a sticky note, not a big piece of paper. Write down two or three things that you learned today and try and include at least one sketch to represent that.
1: Absolutely. All right. So, Wendy Pillars, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me